0: Welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and this is my last episode for 2020. It has been a year. Oof, am I right? Well, I'm so grateful to all of you for tuning in as often as you do. I hope that you have found the episodes this past year helpful and supportive in today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with Dr. Asherina Reams, Psyched Mommy on Instagram if you follow her there. And in this episode, we're talking about why motherhood can be so overstimulating sometimes. You know what I'm talking about, the mess, the touching, the sounds, the noise, the sensory overload, which can sometimes lead to irritability And then guilt or shame for how we react and respond to all that sensory overload. I'm so excited to share my conversation with her with all of you today. But before we dive in again, just wanted to say thank you for tuning in this year. If you're hoping to see more episodes come 2021, a great way to support me and the podcast is to go and hit that subscribe button and leave a review. That would mean the world to me if you could do that today after you tune in. Thank you so much to all of you. I'm so grateful to have this space to connect with you. All right, let's dive into the conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and arrested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Reem. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today and taking the time to have this conversation. I'm super excited about the topic that we are touching on today. It feels very relevant for me. I can very much relate to the experience of being overstimulated or feeling like I'm just oh my gosh, all the sensory overload that comes with being a mom. So I'm so excited to talk to you about all of this today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so before we dive in, Ashrina, can you share a little bit about your context, your background, and what inspired you to do all the work that you do? This is a great question. Um, I didn't even know I'd be
1: doing the work that I do. You know, I always laugh a little bit because – years ago, like if you would have told me a decade ago that I'd be doing this work, I'd say, I doubt it. I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't even think I would become a psychologist. Um, I was an undergrad and I took I was like a pre-med student and then I took my first abnormal psych class and I never looked back. Okay. Me too.
0: That's Seriously, awesome. Seriously. I was pre-med. Although like a p- part of my story is that I was like, I had an internship where I was at a hospital and I was, you know, witnessing the C-section of triplets and it was so cool. But I was like, you know what? I don't need to be in the room during the C-section. Like, let me talk to the mama after the C-section. Right. I'm right. a little woozy. So <laughs> yeah, I, I switched over but that's awesome. I, I, I don't hear that too often.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because my parents were so upset with me when they found out that I was like switching. They're like, what are you doing? This has been your life stream. I'm like, really? I don't know. Uh, but I, I started to pursue psychology and um, I worked with just a number of different like areas with eating disorder recovery, health psychology, and then I became a mom and everything changed for me. Yeah. Everything. Like yeah. fertility struggles, um I experienced so much perinatal anxiety, postpartum anxiety, like at an all time high. And I thought, I've got to switch gears here because I don't I feel so disconnected from everything else that I just shifted. And this has been my work since then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so what inspired you then to get on social media and start your account psych ed mommy which has just an incredible community of moms and you provide so much content there that so many I know that so many moms relate with. Um, so what what inspired you to actually expand your reach by getting on social media?
1: Thank you. I don't even know. Other than like <laughs> I was it was an accident. You know, but it was really an accident. I was um in the throes of postpartum. And I started just documenting real life stuff that was happening with me. And I thought I would like use this as more of like a documentation of the experience. And people were like, Oh, my goodness, me too. I can't believe that I'm not the only one. And I thought, wow, okay. And I realized that they really wanted to know more about this experience more about perinatal mental health. And they really wanted to see pictures of me you know, drinking my coffee or whatever
0: it was, yeah, yeah,
1: And I just went on from there, and it grew, and um, it's been a really fulfilling experience that I had no idea would be in my future, in my journey. And I'm just, I, it's like the work that gives me so much joy. And I know it sounds silly to so many people, like being on the internet, being on social media. It truly feels so good creating the space where, and you know this. You do this too, Um, but just people that like you feel like they feel seen for the first time, or they have like a safe place to just feel supported, and it's
0: been a pretty cool thing. Those comments or those DMs that come in that I think you're kind of talking about here, where like somebody's like, "I've never like had a name for this," you know, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was a thing, and um, oh my gosh, those I like. I screenshot them. I have like, I have them like saved just mm-hmm. for like a rainy day, you know, <laughs> when there's like <laughs> some, some negativity or just trying to remind myself like, oh, why, why, why keep stepping into the arena? Right. Right. Like why keep showing up in this space and kind of shedding light on some of these experiences. And and that the, that's the why for sure. Mm-hmm. I love your story. I love that it really organically started for you. I I had no idea that you really kind of started that page your account as more like a personal documentation just for you. And so many moms just connected with it and it grew to this Mm -hmm. incredible, incredible community that you have now. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I know that you have a lot of other like offerings and things like that. And so what we'll do is at the end, I'll have you share some of those, and I'll be sure to share links to all of this in the show notes for anyone who's listening. But awesome. let's dive in. All okay. right. So we're talking about why mothering can be so overstimulating. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the factors that you think make momming and motherhood overstimulating at times? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Uh, done. The episode is now done.
1: <laughs> that was <laughs> it. That's all I've got for you.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, kids are noisy. They are noisy from like birth on, even prior to. Um, but kids are noisy. You have so much more stuff. And I, one thing that I know to be true is that our responsibilities increase so much, yet our time and the the natural support does not increase. So it's like our responsibilities are like exponentially higher, yet Our time has not increased. The level of support does not naturally increase. Um, There's so many other things like our children require closeness and physical touch. And for some moms, this might be a very new thing to be touched so much, to be needed so much. And one of the things that I even realized for myself is that we have such little downtime or room for margin, like the little gaps that we used to have in our schedule. I made note of this on social media a while ago, but even like I used to drive in my car No radio, no phone calls. I would just crack the windows and I would listen and just be and like process the day or process whatever is going on in my head. And I don't have that anymore, right? Like now I've got my son's three. So it's just mommy, mommy. mommy." Oh my gosh. (laughs) Did you see that fire truck? And it's like, yes, I love these moments. I really do. But I get, you know, minimal time for that margin unless I'm being proactive.
0: That margin, oh my gosh, I love that you're naming this here. Like it is so important as humans for our brains to just have space, right? Like in between- events of the day and experiences just for our – literally just for our brain to process, right? Yeah. Um, And when we don't get any of that space, I mean, I, I I, know that for me when I don't have any just like empty space or that, those margins throughout the day, I mean, I find myself even like I don't sleep as well that night probably because my brain's like working overload, right? Just sort of like mm-hmm. process everything throughout the day that it didn't get a chance to because there was just no – room and space to do so. And you're right. I mean, being, gosh, having little ones in the car, having them, all the needs that come with being a mom, but also, also like things that we do, right? Like, you know, what's the first thing that we do? If you find yourself like standing in line at Starbucks, right? Like open the phone, (laughs) like Uh take in more content, more information, more more, right? Just more stuff. And gosh, I mean, I do, I catch myself doing it all the time and it's just leaving no space in between those moments, right? Just to process, just for our brain to have the space to process and ground and like recalibrate, right? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Okay. So you said kids are noisy. Yes. <laughs> yes they if you are. didn't know that one, write it down. That's my blowing. <laughs> They're so <laughs> noisy, right? And it's like, gosh, I. it's so funny because you and I were just talking before we started recording and I was saying um, how now that my kids are back in school because they were home doing e-learning because of the pandemic and COVID and it was like now that they're in school, like just even my partner, sometimes he'll just come home and he's like, wow, like we have a baby <laughs> at home, right? Like we still have a child at home, but like it, it's just, and she has so many needs and I'm being touched all day by her, right? So like I'm still, I'm still having like sensory overload, but just having those older kids not home, like the quiet, it's like, at first it almost feels deafening. And then you're just like, whoa, like I did Mm -hmm. not realize how like overloaded sensory wise I am. And like, so let's talk about the different senses, right? And like, how are all these senses kind of being like pushed in motherhood? Mm -hmm. So sound, you mentioned, right? Like there's just I mean, all that, like, yes, this, the adorable questions and all of the words, or, you know, even if you're getting a break and they're maybe watching TV, it's, it's, the TV's still on, right? Or if they're playing, like, my, my son has this Hot Wheels toy that he loves. And it just, like, is basically these cars that just go round and round and round. And it's yeah. just, like, this, like, constant sound. Um Yeah. So there's all the sounds that can come with it, but what are some of the other senses that can actually, that maybe we're not fully aware that like we're like that's contributing to sensory overload, but it definitely is. Like how, how can, how do the other senses kind of come into this? Hey momas, jumping in here real quick in the middle of this episode to share a word about our sponsor for today's podcast, Stork, S-T-O-R-Q. Now, Stork has been a sponsor over the last few episodes, and I'm grateful to them for reaching out and being a sponsor. I'm postpartum myself, and I didn't think I'd be recording episodes, and I didn't realize that I needed this. It's been so nice to connect with this part of my identity, have these conversations as a podcast host, and get a chance to share them with you while I'm going through it myself. Stork will also always hold a special place in my heart because during those first few weeks when I was in that tender time and those sleepless moments with my newborn baby, I was wearing Stork (laughs) very often, their nursing tank for those late night feedings, their comfortable robe and pants that were so stretchy and comfy when I needed it most, Um, their sits bath for when I needed some self-care, their soothing spray for those uncomfortable moments that are very common when you're postpartum, and their nipple balm for those cracked nipples that I often experience in those first few weeks where we're developing our breastfeeding relationship. Uh, between me and my baby, and it's just been really wonderful to connect with the Stork team and to get a chance to share their brand and company with all of you through this platform. So thank you, Stork, S T O R Q. If you're interested in maybe getting something for yourself or for someone you know who's postpartum, you can visit them at storq.com and you can use the code Holding Space for 10% off your first order.
1: So, the sound piece, my, and it's funny because I notice if you really experience this, your kid might have a toy that you just tread when they pull it out. Like, you're like, oh, I didn't hide that.
0: Yeah. My
1: son has a truck that it is so loud that I'm like, I can hear that from three rooms away. I just, it's like one of those that gives me a visceral response. Like, my yeah. skin's going to crawl when I hear it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, the sound piece, um the temperature, that's something that I didn't realize. Like, I'm so sensitive to just, The sense of like the air it's so hot here I live in Arizona and it's so hot right now and I find myself having little tolerance for the heat and feeling really overwhelmed by it like I just can't wait for it to cool down I just can't wait for it to cool down like that's like what we've been talking about so much here um but the touched out piece like Mommy just needs a little space. If mm. You've said that before, if you're a parent, right? Like someone's been saying that, like, can you just give me a little bit of space and not sit on top of me and, you know, uh, be
0: all over me. I love you so much, but I do need my are, space. Those are hard moments. Like, so mm-hmm. my, um, my six year old, he has sensory processing challenges and, and part of his experience in that is, um, sometimes it's like, he doesn't really know where he is in space. It's kind of, it's a part of his, um, sen- his sense of like where he where he is, and so mm-hmm. how he gets sensory input is he will oftentimes be leaning up against me, or if we're sitting at a table, he pushes his foot up against my leg, and it's just this sort of like his way of getting some sensory input, and it's also sweet, right? Like, and it's cuddly, right. and it's, but there are those moments where like I just need some space, and I will like scoot over or. I'll, or I'll, and I'll try to like say it to him, you know, like I, mama just needs some space right now. Or I'll say, I'm going to get up and grab a snack just because like, I need, (laughs) I need to not be touched. But then gosh, that that can oftentimes be followed with that sort of guilt or shame, right? Like shame being like, is there something wrong with me that like, I don't Mm want to be cuddling with him right now. Um, and I just always have to remind myself that like, No, like it's a lot. Like there's a lot of touch points throughout the day, right? Whether I am breastfeeding, I mean, especially right now, like I'm being touched all the time through that um, or my, or my child wants to be touching or, and then then of course my poor partner comes along and he wants Mm -hmm. to to be touched. And I'm like, no, you know, I've been touched too many times today. This is your warning. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> Such hard, hard moments. Um, so, do you see this relationship though between like some of those like uh, giving ourselves that space, touch wise, and then the like shame or the guilt that can kind of oh come yes, I have felt this personally and I hear about this professionally. Um,
1: but you do feel like because what do we have in our mind? And I think this goes back to like some of the ideals we have, like the, the expectations of what. Um, for me, it's like the, what the nurturing mother should be like, right? right? She should be overextending herself. She should be affectionate. She should be nurturing. She sh- and these are all of these myths that we believe about ourselves and who we should be and what we should be like. So if we are feeling like, this is too much right now and I don't want it, I don't want anything to do with it right in this moment, there is a lot of shame and guilt that comes up with it yeah. where you say like, I- mama does need space. And it's a good reminder to say, like, every single person needs a little bit of space. And it's so right. good for our children to learn that.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Because we want them to learn that boundary, right? And where, where they can say that to other people, like, I do need some space right now. And I need this time for myself.
0: Oh, that's so, you're right. That's so important. It's actually modeling, right? I just recorded mm-hmm. an episode with our friend Jess, our mama village, and we talked yes. all about consent. And this is so relevant to that because. You're right. I mean, and it's not that, like, you know, I'm going to say, I don't consent to your cuddle right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just sort of honoring the fact that like we all need space sometimes. Like my son is super cuddly. My daughter, who's nine, she is more the kind of kid who like needs her space. Like it's funny, like not right now because of COVID, but back before COVID, when her friends would get run up and give her hugs, um, you know, her friends would hug her, um, and she would she would just kind of have her arms sort of like stiff armed, you know, like uh-huh. okay. really <laughs> awkwardly
1: uncomfortable. I'm ready for yeah. this to be over.
0: Yeah, and like oh my gosh, and her brother like it's so it's she's so sweet. Like he'll hug her, but you you know what I've noticed is that she will say things like you know, okay, Ever, I think that's enough hugging. I think I'm ready for us to not be hugging anymore. I need a little bit of space. Like and she says it so sweetly um because she knows that like she knows now like he's just that's just his way. It's his love language is touch, mm-hmm. right? Like, trying to like show that affection, but um Yeah. I mean, I think that her seeing me be able to get that, to to ask for that space and give myself that space when I need it and for him too, right? Because that's going to be the case is that people are going to have boundaries or want space in his relationships as well. And to how, how do I navigate that? Right. Like, how do I regulate myself in that? How do I express what it is that I need? Gosh, I mean, those are really important things to be modeling. So I'm gonna keep that in mind next time, right? Like, You're like I am how doing how us I all. For this
1: it's good for them too, right? Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. So we talk. You now. You're talking about just sort of the sense of like temperature and touch. Um, We talked about sound. What about the other senses? Like, oh yeah, what you see or what you mm-hmm. smell. <laughs> what about these? ones? The
1: mess, right? The mess of motherhood for oh me gosh. is like. I can't avoid it and I can't ignore it. And sometimes it's so overwhelming that we feel like we can't even move on to the next task yeah. or get something done because of what it looks like around our home or the smells all feel like, you know, I think I smell something in the other room. No, no, really. I think I do. And it feels like I just can't get these, the sensory input out of my head or out of my body. Cause mm. I feel like I'm receiving it all. And that is something that I talk about for myself particularly is like this feeling of sensory overload feels like you're receiving all of the information in the room at once. It's like 10 people are talking to you and you really need to understand what someone is telling you, but you can't. So you want to scream and run because it just feels like so much.
0: And I want to just kind of jump in and and share this here because, you know, I think that there's a a spectrum of this, right? Like we we all have different um capacities for how much we can like all the sensory overload and how much we can sort of like allow in and the impact it has on us but also there are different ways that we all process our sensory experiences and so what was so interesting is that when we took my son in to get assessed through occupational therapy and we found out that he had sensory processing challenges um, and experiences that were, were difficult for him that we weren't aware of, but we were kind of seeing the impact of it for him. Mm-hmm. So funny because as they were talking about it, right, this sort of experience that my son has where sometimes he his brain has a hard time decide, figuring out which information to sort of focus on and which he can tune out, right? So he gets kind of that sensory overload and processing overload. And as we were talking about it, and like the what what it, what the experience is like and the impact, my husband he turned to me, and I turned to him because I was like I was going to let him name it first, but he turned to me and he was like, "This is me," and I'm like, "I know this is you, <laughs> right?" And like my husband was diagnosed with ADHD when he was um, a kid, and he, I think, and he does have some of those attention challenges even now as an adult. But when we discovered this, my partner was like, I think really this was my difficulty is like the sensory processing, um, disorder is what it's called experience and, yeah, and so there's, I think that, you know, when I've worked with parents and they just kind of speak to some of this, sometimes I recommend, hey, it it, it couldn't hurt if if this is really impacting your functioning, it couldn't hurt to kind of go and, and get and have some of these things assessed, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it could be um, a symptom of anxiety, it could be a symptom of depression, or it could be something else, right? Just sort of the way that your brain processes a little bit differently, um, and may really struggle in these ways. And so, discovering that for my partner was really helpful for me, one, because it allowed me to kind of have a little bit more compassion <laughs> for why I'm like, okay, like, dude, I deal with this all day long. And like, <laughs> why are you so overloaded and overstimulated right now when you just got home from work, you know? Yeah. Um, but it kind of helped me understand it, his experience a little bit more. And I think it gave us a language to kind of talk about it, but also, you know, it also helped for my son, right? That like he can understand the experience. So it kind of helped us more understand than my son's experience. So I just wanted to throw that in there because that was something we just discovered over the past year um, that there are actually like some diagnoses, right? For mm-hmm. some parents that maybe went undetected until you became a parent or right. where you, you just really do, um, struggle with sort of processing all of the information that's coming in. Um, And when you're a parent, there's a lot, there's a lot of input, right? Oh yeah. So much that we've ever, I feel
1: like been exposed to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, so can we talk for a second? Cause I feel like this one's going to be super, like a lot of people are going to relate to this, this idea of mess being so overstimulating. Hi, mm-hmm. why? why is mess so overstimulating? Are there some things you can name around that, around that piece that can just kind of shed more light on why mess it, itself is so overstimulating and like, what can we do in response to that?
1: I think this, like, for part of it, it's like, what it was I used to before becoming a parent? I don't know. Like some people, like that's how they manage their environment and, and having some control over the environment sometimes feels good. Um, yeah. even particularly with a little bit of anxiety, if you experience anxiety, it feels good to feel like this is in order and it's visually pleasing. And I feel Like I have been unproductive. I can find things. It feels less chaotic because we see mess and we think, you know, chaos or this is not the kind of parent I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to, you know, have it all together. And for some, it might suggest something about them that maybe they Mm. have taken on like this. What does this say about me if this is what my environment looks like? And it might even feel like a visual representation of what's going on emotionally. Like if I feel like it's pure chaos and messy in my, in my brain or in my, you know, emotional experience. And that's what my home looks like, or that's what my office looks like or whatever it is. And that doesn't always feel good. And I think that the piece where like things are organized, put away and have a place can feel like I at least have something that I can Mm. grasp and hold on to that feels good. And I can be there without feeling so stimulated by it.
0: I think that is so so true is that and I know that's, I know that's the case for me is that when I, when things are put away or when things look clean, um, when there isn't like too much stuff, right. So it's more like minimalist, <laughs> like when, when that's the case, I feel like, I have, I'm in more, I'm in more control, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like when there are so many things that we can't control within motherhood, which just comes with the territory, at least I can control what it looks like, right? Like in my (laughs) environment. Um, And so, yeah, like, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, when the baby's napping and now, now the kids are back in person school, back at in-person school, I'm like, okay, I should probably lay down and rest, but it, like and sometimes i do and i just tell myself like let the mess go but sometimes it actually does make me feel better to put things away because i know that once the kids walk through the door it's just going to all go to shit again <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in my language but that's what's gonna happen <laughs> no, it's, true. it's all that it's going to get be get really messy real quick again and that's just because like you know they're kids and they're just going to do their thing but just even just to have it be put together for an hour because the baby's not gonna make a mess, you know, like and so mm-hmm. just for an hour to be able to look around and be like, look it, life is put together. It feels good sometimes. And but yeah, I mean, with kids also just comes so much stuff, you know? Um yes. like My, like, whether it's the toys or the books or the school stuff or the baby things, the baby gear, even like, you know, um, both my kids are really into like arts and crafts kind of stuff, but there's always just like little pieces of paper and crayons and there's so many of them and like all these just little things just everywhere. (laughs) And it's, um, yeah, it can be really overstimulating. And so, Yeah, I find for myself like having baskets where I can just put things – baskets with like lids on them so I don't even have to like see it, right? Or just like big cabinets with like baskets inside so I just don't have to look at it. Like all of that just helps me. Even if it's just like for an hour, I I put things away and just like soak in that hour and then give myself permission to like – you know, know that I have compassion for myself, that once it does get messy when the kids come home, like that's understandable because it's just not visually like really nice to look at and it's gonna make me feel more out of control, if that makes sense.
1: No, it makes so much sense and it something that it's not just me, and I don't know if you feel this way or you recognize this. I find that with my son, he does better when his space is oh clean or decluttered and I really love the book. I read this like a year and a half ago, uh, Simplicity Parenting. Yes.
0: I was just going to say, Simplicity Parenting. Oh my God.
1: And I, it really allowed me to explore my environment and the stuff, the, the stuff that we have. And I realized that when he has less, he does so much better because he's overstimulated with all of the things, right? Yeah. It's like, do you want to do this or this or that? And it it's that's how we feel as human beings. It's like we can only process so much information. So having that little it was like he would go from having all of his stuff everywhere all around and he wouldn't want to play. He would want to be like held by me. And mm-hmm. I would I got rid of like everything and I would leave out like two things or three things and then all of a sudden just the the simplicity of it, the um like there wasn't so many options that felt yeah. like it was doable and he knew what he wanted because he only had to navigate, you know, so many things, he would be engaged and playing and having a great time. So I, I noticed that it's not just me, it's him. It's all of us. We just, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you have like a menu with six pages of stuff and you're like, right. gosh, I really just don't know what I want. And you like narrow it down like I really would like a um, an abbreviated menu, please with three options.
0: (laughs) No, it's so true. That is one of my favorite parenting books. I'm gonna have to add a link to that in the show notes. I'm gonna try to remember that because it is. It was one of my favorite parenting books because it really did shift this sort of mindset of like you know you wanna you wanna give your you wanna give your kids options right and like the best Mm -hmm. you want to have all these great toys and you want to make them happy right but it really is true that when I know for both of my kids when there's too many options and then when there's clutter even like even if it's even if like there's like tons of stuff in their closet and the, the closet door is closed it's like yeah but like still when you open that closet and you're going to pick out an outfit like it's overwhelming right so just whether Mm -hmm. it's related to clothing or toys or books so like putting books away and just bringing out a few that kind of relate to that season um and in that simplicity parenting book he even talks about food right and like having on mondays we eat pasta on tuesdays it's tacos on like fridays we're always doing pizza and he kind of talks about how you know with that you kind of create these rituals and routines that kids mm-hmm. tend to really do well with but also I know for me as a parent when I kind of know what to expect each day instead of having to kind of just be overwhelmed with all the decisions that we're already always having to make it it really is helpful for me as a parent too
1: yes it makes it really that it's like a reciprocal um relationship where you're like wow, this is great it's easier on you and it's easier on me and we have a lo- lot less to choose from. Absolutely. I do love
0: that yeah okay so what are some of the symptoms of sensory overload like how can we kind of catch it before we're like drowning in it if that makes sense I I find
1: it's kind of like if you if you're gonna hear something you're gonna hear something but if it's stirring something in you emotionally right like obviously loud sounds aren't pleasant. Right. Um but if it's making you feel like you're noticing that I'm stressed, I'm irritable, I'm on edge, that's when like we really want to pay attention when something is shifting in me internally or I feel like I am receiving everything. And maybe the person that's there with me doesn't hear it all or maybe they're saying like, "Oh, I didn't think it was that loud." Right. Um it's a really good place to for comparison there. Like it's like, "Okay, I'm getting a base baseline of I am hearing too much and I'm feeling too much. And I notice for myself personally, it'll be like, I can hear everything. Even if the volume is low to everybody else, it feels like it's a piercing sound to me. Yeah. And you almost feel like this tension in your chest, like, uh, I want to escape because I don't like all of this stuff and I need it to quiet down. We, I, I notice that there's triggers to this stuff though. Like, you know, what are we doing? Are we le- less time for that margin? Am I feeling overstretched? Am I feeling like has, you know, been really little quiet time for all of us? And those are like, before if we're talking about catching it, those are some of the precursors. It's like, if I slow this stuff down, if I stop this stuff, I might make it easier for myself in these situations.
0: Oh, my gosh! So important! And I love that you talked about here the comparison piece because I think we often talk about comparison as this like horrible thing like that we're always mm-hmm. comparing ourselves. But the truth of the matter is is that we are actually our brains are wired to compare it's the way that our brain makes sense of the world it's the way that our brain kind of categorizes things to make sense of the world. Um, And, you know, if we walk into a new situation and we're kind of comparing to see what others are doing, it's a way that we kind of navigate new situations too. And in this case, I love that you're kind of naming this, that if you kind of talk to your partner or somebody that's around you and you say, does that sound really loud to you? Or like, does that smell really strong for you? (laughs) Like, are you... Like, you know, does it feel really hot in here to you? Like if they're like, no, I, it feels okay to me, right? Like this is a great opportunity to kind of identify that like you are like this, like you do have a really high sensitivity to this right now. And like, mm-hmm. you may be experiencing that sort of sensory overload. I know that for me, it tends to manifest. There's like the physical symptoms like you named, like um, the tight chestness and just like this sort of feeling like... um. Uh, what's like, it's like so hard to explain, but it's almost, it always leads to like irritability for me. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel that like stress response, right. That sort of like fight or flight response. And it just feel on edge. It's like this. Yeah. That's the word like edginess. <laughs> um, yes. a little, like everything just feels rougher around the edges. And it always, for me, manifests in like irritability. Like I will snap, right. It's like, Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about the other day. I was like trying to go to the bathroom and like my son like came in and I just was like, can you not like, can you see uh-huh. that I'm using the bathroom right now? Like I just need a minute. Okay. And I like said it just so grumpy. And he like looked at me. He's like, you're in the red zone. And he walked away <laughs> because we used that language to help him identify what zone he's in. And he walked away and I was like, yeah, mom in the red zone. Um, it just comes out in like this, these like, irritable, grumpy spurts, you know? Um, so that's usually a sign to me that like, I have just not had any of those margins. Like I was trying to get a margin, like by going to the bathroom, you know, and I didn't get it. And I was frustrated that even in that moment, I couldn't just get that space. And so, okay. So we now we talk about the symptoms, what it looks like, what it is, What can we do, Dr. Reem? like what can we do when we're starting, when we know that this is something that we can really relate to, this sort of overstimulation or sensory overload?
1: I think part of it, like the first piece is just having that awareness. I think in a lot of what happens in life, when we can put a name to something and we we recognize what it is, it feels good because we're like validated in that experience. Yeah. Um, The next piece I feel like is what are the triggering, what are my vulnerabilities? I notice if my kiddo is like, and I'm already stretched, if he's having some big emotions mm-hmm. and I'm already really vulnerable, like the shriek, the whine oh. is like
0: yeah.
1: nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. And I like, I will start off really gentle, like,
0: okay, honey. <laughs>
1: it's just like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I need a break. Um, but knowing what makes it worse. I know that sleep is a big vulnerability for me. Oh, if I haven't slept well, it's really hard to manage because we are processing the sensory input during sleep or during quiet time. And it's so important to get that that time to process yeah. that information. And what can we do? Like the biggest thing that we've been kind of talking about but not really talking about is creating the space to decompress mm-hmm. and create those that scheduled quiet time. It's really hard. I know, and I recognize like in this season, of pandemic and, you know, being at home a lot, wherever you are in the, in the world, it's like, you may not have, um, that physical space or that time or that separation, uh, sometimes just using tools like, um, noise reducing headphones, for example, or can be a really great tool yeah. to my use around your home. Has,
0: my husband has those. And <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because at first they drove me crazy. I'm like, oh, you're just gonna tune us all out. Now. <laughs> but now, but honestly, once I once I discovered that, like, okay, actually, while I do for sure get overstimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, for him, I because we've done the comparison and because we learned about like, you know, from my son's di- diagnosis, like what he, his experience actually is, and that it's, if something's loud to me, yeah, it's probably louder to him because he hears all of it and can't tune any of it out. If mm-hmm. I'm feeling hot, he's boiling. Right. And like, that just is the case for my partner. And so for him, those noise canceling headphones, like are, have actually been incredible and they're good for our marriage too, because he gets to, even when we're all at home, <laughs> he gets to take those breaks. Right. And like, then he comes back just more present and more grounded. And then it's really important for me as well to also then act, to let him know that I need those, those breaks too. Right. And if he's getting it, he's going to be in a better place to then be able to help me get that space too. So it's, it's good for both of us.
1: It really is. It's, Cause it, it does seem silly when you say it out loud and then you're like, well, if I'm having such a hard time sifting through this and sorting through this sensory input I need to do something to reduce this load that's obviously burdening me to some degree. And it can be like the sound, it can be the lights, like dimming the lights, turning them off. Um, It really just depends on what the triggers are and what you're noticing is more challenging.
0: Yeah.
1: Obviously, kids are really hard to tune out all the time, (laughs) the the mess, but even creating a space in your home that you can retreat to that is more peaceful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, and I know that. I mean, even amidst the pandemic, like you know, we can always go for a drive. You know, Mm -hmm. and like if you know, if our partner, like sometimes I'll tell my partner, like, all right, like (laughs) tag you're it. I'm going. I'm literally just gonna go for a drive. Like maybe go through a drive through, get grab a drink somewhere, and like just like you said, I'm not gonna listen to music. I'm not gonna listen to a podcast. So if you're listening to this right now and you've had an overstimulating day, this is your permission for <laughs> both Dr. Reem and I to turn off the podcast and like just experience some silence, right? Um mm-hmm. or some music that's really relaxing, but isn't isn't really causing you to have to take in more information. And I know for me, another big one is I have to have boundaries with social media. Like oh my it, goodness, this yeah. does not Help for me to use up every empty space with more consumption of something. You know,
1: that's so true. You're when you provided that example, it's like we don't like the. I always find this interesting. Like when I'm going to see like the doctor, like say if I'm waiting for whatever service and. everyone has their phone out and I'm guilty. Like I'm, I'm those people that I'm referring to. And then I will stop midway through and I put it away. And then I just try to sit there and be, and it's really hard to practice just being still. And it drives me crazy because I'm like, why is this so hard? Why is this like such a hard thing? But I recognize like how much we need it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know, I know the days where like, I just have you know, and and it's tricky because I know for both you and me, and I know for a lot of people and not everyone, but for a lot of people, like sometimes your job is on social media, like is Mm -hmm. related to it, you know? And so a big part of my job is to be on social media now because I use it as a way to connect with other moms so that I can build a bridge between my private practice and clients and people who would be the right fit for me to see as a, as their therapist, but also courses and the podcasts I have. And I have to have boundaries with it because I know the days where I spend every, every in between moment checking my phone or responding to comments or scrolling those are the days that I'm grumpier, more irritable. I probably won't sleep as well that night, and then I'll be, it'll be, and then it's just like this nasty cycle. And so, mm-hmm. um, it can be really quite embarrassing to see how hard it is to just sit without looking at something. Um, or even uncomfortable but it's something that I really want to model for my kids and I just always try to remind myself of that Um, and I even give them permission to like call me out on it which can be so hard because they will (laughs) my nine-year-old but you know she's before I know I'm gonna blink and she's gonna be a teenager with her own phone you know always wanting to be on social media potentially and so if, if, if I am like not – if I'm telling her, you know, have boundaries and I'm not having them myself, gosh, I mean, that's not going to work, right? She's more likely to do what I do than what I say um, and what I model. And so I give her permission and I really do listen to her when she's like, mom, do you think that you need to check your phone right now? And I'm always like, oh, thank ouch. you so much. But yes. <laughs> <for you." It's laughs> yeah. like it's out. Oh, major ouch. And then I'm like, but thank you so much for the reminder gosh, like I, it really means a lot that you're helping me with this, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, so that's like when she's a teenager and I say the same thing to her, hopefully we've had that conversation so many times that she's like, you know, I don't know. It's about- such a great, I, it's such a great thing though, that you've given the permission because now there's that rapport. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my hope, right? Because, gosh, I mean, these kids—they're growing up with social media. There's like, I didn't grow up with it. Like, at least there mm-hmm. were like many, many years that we lived without it. But now it's just going to be a part of their daily life, you know. And I know it. Uh, oh, gosh, it's it's hard to even think about. Okay. But, you know. So, so I'm just trying to build that healthy relationship and modeling but also acknowledgement that it is tough right and that like so even if she finds herself really stuck or hooked on it that like she knows that like I've been there too and then we can kind of you know help each other
1: <laughs> yes that's what goes to that like validating the experience and not feeling so alone because sometimes you're like well maybe this is just a me thing but no right
0: right right oh all right well Dr. Reem, where can people find you? Because I know that you talk a lot about this kind of stuff on your Instagram account, and you also have some incredible offerings. So where can people find you? What are your other offerings? And I'll be sure to include everything that you mentioned right now in the show notes.
1: Yes. So I am on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, I'm psyched mommy, so P S Y C H E D M O M M Y. And that's my website as well, psychedmommy.com. Yeah. Everything is, everything is all the same. But there's just, I've got some free resources to talk about parental burnout, boundaries, um, self compassion, a lot of the things that we all need. And I do have a digital course that really focuses on bringing the focus back to mom, particularly postpartum when we are not because every like our attention is just on everybody else. So it's really the tools to navigate that experience. But those are, that's pretty much all the good stuff, all the good stuff that I'm working on right now.
0: And I just, I want, and for anyone who's listening, like, you know, I think that, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know that like for the courses that we've, that we've created, especially our flourish in the first year, course, the course I have with Dr. Christine Sterling it's so hard to like convince moms and parents that like they deserve to invest in themselves too and take care of themselves in this yes. way. You know, it's like I think we can so quickly, so easily maybe like enroll in a course that's going to like help our kids speak or, or learn to learn to talk or sleep, right? These sort of things. But I know that like the stuff that you cover in your course, just like the stuff that we cover in our course, like it's like the best thing, the best gift you can give to your child, okay. right? Happy, well, mom and parent. Okay. And that's going to help with things like sleep. That's going to help with like teaching your kid to talk because you're going to be present for those things and you're going to have the bandwidth for those things. And so I I just really encourage anyone who's listening to go check out your resources because it's just so such an important thing for us to – invest in ourselves. It's not just good for us. It's good for our families too.
1: You're so right. And you bring up such a great point because it really speaks to like the, the culture and like the societal norms of like what we do as um, as moms particularly, but like this idea that we should be so others focused all the time mm-hmm. and worried about everybody else and their development and how they're doing, but then really neglecting ourselves and not taking care of those deep needs that we have. And then that's what I end up seeing people like in therapy and I'm sure you do too, where it's like, they've been neglecting themselves so long and haven't been, you know, really nourishing themselves in the capacity that they should. And they're like, well, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know um, what I even like. I don't know anything about myself because I've just been a mom for this period of time or I've just been, Mm -hmm. you know, this primary caregiver and it's, this is like, I always talk about like baby registry. It should be a mother registry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And that's like, we should be focusing on how to best support you in this journey, not just everybody else.
0: Oh my gosh. Right. Whether it's, whether it's giving the gift of like one of these courses that's really going to help build that foundation for moms and like, and help them, whether it's process their birth or, um, to care for themselves or find their identity or deal with mom guilt or whatever it is. But I, I'm just thinking the other day, um, one of my daughter's friends' moms, she f- saw me in the pickup line and she ran over and gave a little gift, um, you know, kind of tossed it because we're trying to stay socially just so she like tossed it in the car for me, um, a little gift for the, like, and she, she's, like, she's like, because the baby, you got the baby. And I opened it and I was expecting, you know, a cute little onesie or something. And it was sweatpants for me. And it was like, I'm wearing them right now. They're like the That's most amazing. comfortable sweatpants. And I was just like thank you. I texted her. I was like, gosh, like this, I don't know why this like, just is so meaningful to me that instead of getting something for the baby, you got something for me. And she's like, well, like, yeah, the one, like, I'm sure you have plenty of onesies. And like, that's probably all you got, you know, and you deserve comfort too. And it was just so meaningful. And so yeah, That I, would make me probably just bust out in tears. Like, you noticed me, right? Right. right. <laughs> and, oh gosh, it, it was just so, so meaningful. And so I will share links to to all your resources for anyone who's interested. Asherina, wow, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited to share this conversation with all the other mamas. And you're, I'm just so grateful to be connected to you also and to now also thank have you, you as a friend. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm so happy that you invited me on. It was a great conversation and I'm really
1: honored, honestly. It's been it's been a great chat. I think this will really be a good one. It'll be a good one for parents to hear. They need to hear it. Oh, I think so too. All right. Thank you, Ashrina. Absolutely thank you.
0: You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support I teamed up with a board-certified OB-GYN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.